This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This, this is Trident Talk. Swing, stock, way deep out to left field, catch a ball. From foul pole to foul pole. Reaches up, dives, and he makes the catch. Holy smoke. A deeper look at your Seattle Mariners on the Seattle Mariners Radio Network. Welcome to another award-winning edition of Trident Talk. We're here from Atlanta this week. It's great to have you with us today as we have a very big show, a fun show. This is kind of a theme show that I think you'll enjoy. It's kind of a, a homecoming show of sorts. We have Taylor Trammell coming up in a few minutes, a conversation you will really enjoy. He grew up just a few minutes from this ballpark. We have Tell Me a Story coming up. I think you really like this one. Mariners were here in 2008, and right before uh, Skip Carey, long time, Atlanta broadcaster passed away. Dave Sims had a chance to catch up with Skip Carey. We have a couple of his great broadcast stories coming up in a few minutes, so that's coming up on Trident Talk. Also, a homecoming of sorts. Cal Raleigh had friends and family in the stands for what he did in Boston. Shannon Dreher and I had a chance to catch up with Cal, so we'll have that conversation coming up in a few minutes as well. And to keep the homecoming theme going, we have Daniel Kramer with us to start things off, leading off the show here on Sunday. We have the pregame show coming up in an hour, first pitch coming up in two hours. But Daniel Kramer from MLB.com, you can find his work on Mariners.com, is here. And Daniel, it's fair to say this this homecoming theme fits perfectly for you in Atlanta. <laughs> well, it's great to be back home. I am from about 10 or 15 minutes away from here, right around the street. I uh, actually took back roads to get to the ballpark from my parents' house earlier today, and it's also great to be back on Trident Talk. It's great to have you. Now, unfortunately for you, growing up, like, this ballpark wasn't here, so you weren't as close to Atlanta baseball. No, it wasn't. It's uh, kind of ironic in that regard. I I did grow up uh, a baseball fan, Uh, was pretty privileged to be here in the 90s, too. We had a, a... a pretty successful run watching uh, the Braves when, when I was a kid. Um, but no, I, I grew up, Turner Field was my childhood, um, which is, you know, on the other side of town. We still made it to a lot of Braves games when I was a kid. And obviously they were really good, you know, watching Andrew Jones, Chipper Jones, you know, all three of those stud pitchers. Uh, and just being at the ballpark, uh, it really kind of fueled my passion for baseball, uh, was following those teams. And, um, but coming here, you know, growing up, covering the Mariners now, it, it, it's surreal to kind of be back here and spending so much time with my family this weekend away from the field. But then you come here and, and you get back to work and, <laughs> and you're here with, um, you know, your job and your career. So it's it's kind of been a full circle weekend for sure. But it's it's been great. It's, it's, it's been a really fun time. You mentioned Turner Field. So on the off day, I went to the Hank Aaron Wall which is where he, Hank Aaron hit 715 on the site of Fulton County Stadium. And I get there. It's in this big parking lot, and they still have the wall yeah. in the parking lot, yeah. and then the kind of shrine to Hank Aaron there. But on my way there, I'm 
kind of just walking there, and I look over, and I, for whatever reason, I assume that Turner Field was gone. Or, but Turner Field is still there. There's still like a Hank Aaron statue in front of Turner Field. It's now like a football stadium for Georgia State, but I had no idea it was still just there right by the old site of Fulton County Stadium. Yeah, yeah, Georgia State plays their uh, home football games there. And I'm I'm glad it worked out that way because as great as this facility is here, and I love what they've done with the ballpark village, and, you know, there was a lot of trepidation about how traffic would flow and everything. Mm. It, it, it's a really good facility. Um but it was also kind of like, you know, Turner Fields, it's only been standing for, what, 20 years or so. And do we really need a new ballpark in Atlanta? And, you know, people like me had a lot of fond memories there as well. So, And it was the Olympic Stadium and kind of a yeah. beacon for Olympic sustainability. You know, all these cities spend so much money investing in their facilities and you, cities find ways to to keep using them after and I, I think that's one thing that atlanta has done really well since the 96 games you see the infrastructure being used so well so um i'm glad that they were able to kind of keep turner field afloat and keep it open um because it, it it was a great facility and um you know to see that georgia state is still finding use to it it's uh it's really encouraging to see i saw chipper jones on the field as you know he's still involved with the braves I mean, he's got to be, you mentioned him, one of your guys growing up. Do, do you walk up to Chipper Jones and say hi? I have not connected with him this weekend, but um, I actually have a, a, a pretty cool Chipper story. It was uh, related to Taylor Trammell. Uh, a couple years ago, right after Taylor got his first big league hit in Seattle, uh, Chipper tweeted a, a video of the clip and recalled scouting Taylor for at Mount Perrin High School here in Atlanta um, when he was... the they were considering drafting him the Braves were in the first round and so I reached out to our longtime Braves writer Mark Bowman he's you know been here for years I I read him as a kid um and I said hey do you think Chipper would talk about that experience Mm -hmm. uh, of you know scouting Taylor and it's pretty cool that he just gave him a shout out on Twitter and I think even Taylor uh, got a big appreciation out of it and Mark says in his southern draw I'll see what I can do (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, I mean, I think nothing of it. And then like four or five days later, it's really early in the morning, like 7 a.m. or something. And I get a, a phone call from a, an Atlanta area code. And I think, well, maybe it's a scam because that's what happens when you get calls <laughs> from like, you know, phone calls from the same area code. But I also did reach out to Mark about Chipper Jones. Like, maybe it's Chipper. And so I answer the phone and I'm all dreary eyed because I was, you know, sleeping. It was really early in the morning. And I say, hello. And he goes, Hey, Daniel, this is uh, Chipper Jones just returning your phone call. <laughs> and so me, like, I jump up and I was like, oh, my God, I'm talking to Chipper Jones right now. And then, you know, I had to, had to flip into reporter mode and, and start talking to him about Taylor. And he was awesome. He broke down his swing. He recalled the uh, entire afternoon about scouting him that day and that the Braves were legit considering taking him there in the first round. And it, it was really generous of him to you know go on for like 20 minutes about this this one kid and you know obviously taylor's not a prospect anymore but i think it just kind of speaks to how chipper fits in here he's um you know very well liked i think that's why he's always been a fan favorite he's stuck around for so long and um you know obviously still has an impact on the organization and and the game of baseball too um so haven't got a chance to to catch up with him but uh 
Yeah, would love to if if the uh, opportunity surfaces. Yeah, no doubt. You wrote a great story about that too. Another story that you recently wrote caught my eye. Yeah, as the Mariners' offense still tries to find its footing, J.P. Crawford has had an excellent year so far. His on-base percentage has been great, hitting the ball harder. It's really been kind of the best version of J.P. we've seen for this long stretch. And you had a chance to talk to J.P. about his offseason, and it seems like the work that he put on the offseason is certainly paying off. Yeah, for sure. Um, I talked to him in spring training about it because we had heard that he had uh, gone over to driveline uh, and then, you know, kind of followed up as the season's gone along and you're getting more tangible results. You're seeing a, a big uptick in exit velocity. I think at the time of that publication, he was second or third highest in the league he'd gained about five miles an hour of bat speed and you're seeing it correlate to you know he already had the on base percentage but you're now seeing it turn into some extra base hits and not just like the slap singles which is literally what he said he was trying to accomplish and a little bit different from two years ago when he showed up to spring training in 2021 uh 20 pounds heavier with the objective of trying to I think the quote at the time was, turn my doubles into homers. Mm. And he admittedly was kind of getting away from who he was as a hitter at that time. Uh, This type of adjustment that he's done with driveline is to more better optimize the bat speed and the attack angle with which he's striking the ball. Um, So it's not like he's explicitly trying to create more power it's more of just like leveraging his mechanical movements to you know turn those into extra base hits a little bit more so um the the folks at driveline were really courteous to uh hop on the phone and and talk about the adjustments he's made too it it was only a a six-week period that he was up there but they were already seeing tangible results it was like a five and a half mile an hour increase in his overall exit velocity two and a half in peak exit velocity and, and, and basically what they were trying to do was cleaning up his mechanics to let his bat speed play a little bit better. So I even asked, um, I even asked the folks over there, you know, what, what you think, uh, the guy's name is Tanner Stokey, kind enough to do an interview with. And he says, I think to be honest with you, he's got another gear. So hmm. I don't necessarily think you're going to see JP turn into a 20 homer a year guy, but you know, if he's making more optimum contact and some of those balls are getting into the gap, all of a sudden you got a quality base runner out there on second rather than you know some of those slap singles that we've been so accustomed to and that's what he's trying to do so um you're seeing good results right now and i think it's a big part of why scott services moved him up into the leadoff position yeah he's been impressive no question about that we just crossed over the 40 game marker too it's kind of the the magical mark that managers and front office folk talk about in your eyes, from what you've seen in this first 40 games, where are the Mariners right now? Probably underachieving by uh, what everyone was expecting, yeah. including themselves. Um, the offensive inconsistencies have been very consistent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, they've made it no secret that they were constantly missing the big hit in the mm. first month of the season you saw flashes of that even as recently as this road trip um you know cal's big homers at fenway park sticking out um you know a a productive series over in detroit but they're just not cashing in enough base runners like they should be and i 
I'm not the only one who has this take, and uh, but you know they've never been a batting average team. We've yeah. talked about that. Yeah. They're an on base per team, base base percentage team, and a slugging percentage team. They find ways to grind out opposing pitching, uh, really get that pitch count up, get into the, uh, those bullpens, and you know when they have guys on base, they hit homers, and that makes a big difference. You know when you have a, a two or three run homer to swing the momentum of a game. So. You're not really seeing it right now. And I think Friday night's game here in Atlanta was a, a prime example. Mm. You know, um, it eight hits, which was basically going toe-to-toe with the Braves into the late innings. Mm-hmm. But you kind of always felt like you were going to need more than two runs to win that game, yeah. especially in this ballpark against that lineup. So, but, you know, they didn't get the homer. They didn't necessarily get the big hits with the, you know, it, it wasn't like a slugfest, so to speak. So, uh they're getting some guys on base a little bit more consistently. I think this road trip has helped with that, but mm-hmm. uh, you're not seeing as as consistent of the the big blow, so to speak, to uh, put them over the top. And I think that's what with how they're pitching, why they're two games under 500 um, instead of maybe you know deeper in the red. I think you're right about that. I think you make a perfect point too about Atlanta specifically. Two runs. It's tough to get it done against a team of this caliber. I thought this series against Atlanta last year, it was my favorite series all season. It was incredible. And as I watch Atlanta play this weekend, I mean, they're one of the favorites to go to the World Series in my mind. They are just so good. Their lineup is deep, uh, high quality starting pitching at the top. They do have some bullpen to figure out, but, man, they're good. Yeah. You can work with a trade deadline to address the bullpen, too, probably more than any other position. And they got some injuries in the rotation with, you know, Max Fried and Kyle Wright. You know, pitching is going to be key to anything in the postseason, which is why they didn't advance out of the first round last year. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I was just watching last night's game here in person, and I look at that lineup, and, you know, it's just – how do you pitch around a lot of these guys? <laughs> Especially when, you know, there was like, what, four batted balls and 100 miles an hour in, in the first inning against Bryce Miller, and you're thinking, wow, sellout crowd, mm-hmm. this environment, this park, like, how's the rookie going to handle it? And to his credit, he really settled in and, and hunkered down. But I just, to your point, I think it's, it's a really loaded roster. Um, it's a division that's maybe not as competitive as we thought it was going to be. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's still not even Memorial Day, but they do look like a, a strong front runner. Yeah, it's going to be interesting homestand for the Mariners. Finally returning home, maybe we'll see some sunshine for the first time this season during a, a Major League Baseball game, which will be great. For people that don't know about your newsletter, everything, where they can find you, where can they find you? Well, I'm over at Mariners.com, so just click on over to the team's website and anywhere in the news section. Uh, that's typically where my content's going to be. I'm on Twitter at DKramer underscore and try to keep fans appraised with content there. And if you click on, uh, if you go to my Twitter link, you can subscribe. I have a pinned tweet there that directly links to the subscription page of the newsletter. So that comes out every Tuesdays and Fridays. So nice. Right to your inbox. Do you have anything you're working on that you want to preview? Um, or you want to keep it secret? No, okay. I, I think this week, uh, maybe taking a look at the, the second base situation mm. um, and how things are shaking out there. We're seeing Jose Caballero obviously get more and more playing time, but, you know, Colton Wong still kind of trying to find his footing and, you know, where 
does that all stand right now, but also where does it stand when Dylan Moore potentially returns here? Yeah. He began a rehab assignment on Thursday. So uh, taking a little little deeper dive on, on where things stand at that position. Daniel, thanks for the time. Thanks Welcome so much home. For me. It's great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Kramer from Mariners.com. We'll come back. Cal Raleigh, who our theme continues, homecoming. Cal Raleigh had a, a big series in Boston, a big night in particular. We're going to talk to the Mariners catcher. And we come back on Trident Talk right after this. You're listening to Trident Talk on the Seattle Mariners Radio Network. Now with two outs, here's Cal. Hit the home run left-handed. He's up there batting right-handed now. See what he can do here. Maybe he can tattoo the, the green monster first pitch. Swung on. That's what he does. High drive, deep left center field. Carry, carry. Goodbye. Big Cal. A two-run homer from the right side after a two-run homer left side. And here in the Mariners, top of the six, it's 5 nothing Seattle. Ah, yes, there it was. Cal Rawling, his heroics in Boston. Anytime you can make history in Fenway Park, it's something special. Shannon Dreher and I had a chance to catch up with Cal, not only to talk about a homecoming of sorts with family in the stands and the big game in Boston, but also specifically Bryce Miller and his arsenal. Pretty interesting stuff. Here's Shannon. Cal, uh, just hours later, I mean, it feels like we ask you this question often, that you do something that's totally remarkable. And uh, where does this kind of rank in what you have done? And how do you process you did something in a 112-year-old ballpark that has never been done before? Yeah, I don't don't really know what to say about it. Uh, It was really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, definitely for sure. Definitely one of, you know, top baseball moments uh getting to do that here in front of my family and uh you know obviously growing up a big fan and uh coming to games here as a kid and it's really special and uh definitely won't forget it when you were a kid and coming to the park where'd you sit i a little bit everywhere uh, we went on first baseline uh a few times and uh we went uh, i guess it'd be third base up in the kind of navy seats back there uh one time up in right field and um we got we got canceled one day. I was I was kind of near the pole, but they got canceled. They were playing the Blue Jays, a little upset, but <laughs> so I didn't get to see the game there. Did you have an opportunity? I mean, when you were sitting in the stands as as a young Cal Raleigh, were you thinking someday I could be standing at the plate and this is what I would do? This is how I would approach this. I mean, yeah, as a kid, that's all I always want to do: I'm be I'm, you know be a professional baseball player, and obviously. Uh, couldn't have, couldn't have dreamed it like this, but it's uh, it's awesome how it all worked out. I mean, all kids growing up as Red Sox fans, all you have to think about is hitting a home run over the monster, right? <laughs> yeah, That's mean, it. Like, and I, you did it. There's like, no way. I can hit the one over that thing. That thing's so big, and I can't. But, uh, yeah, do, getting to do that last night was, I mean, that's kind of like a bucket list thing. You know, you? something that... You know, you don't get a whole lot of chances to do, too. So, Did you hit on the field yesterday? I mean, have you actually ever hit one up there, even in a batting practice? Uh, yeah, I've hit one in batting practice. I had to. I mean, even if I, <laughs> you know, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to have a good approach and stay up the middle or the right field. And, no, I was just yanking everything, trying to get one over. <laughs> you grew up a Red Sox fan. You grew up a big Jason Veritek fan, and there he is in the dugout as you're doing this, too. Did that add just a little bit more meaning to, to what happened last night? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's special. I mean, to say I didn't look over and, and see him in the dugout, you know, uh, I'd be lying. So, you know, obviously one of my favorite players growing up and, you know, being the captain of my favorite team and everything, kind of like, you know, the, 
the poster boy and the, the leader and everything. So it's special. And anytime I get to play the Red Sox or kind of get to see him, I, I love to kind of just pick his pick his brain a little bit, try to get some info, even though we're playing him. But uh, it's uh, it's awesome to see him. And you got a jersey from him last year, right? I did, yeah. Uh, Christopher Negron, he was in the uh, Red Sox org for a little bit, and he um, he was nice enough to, to ask him over there. So I was, I was a little nervous. I didn't want to ask him. <laughs> I didn't want to get rejected, but he he, uh, he he pulled it through for us, and it was uh, it's super cool. I got it hanging up back home, so. What, what did you want to ask him the first time you talked to him? <laughs> I mean, there's so many things. I think the first time I saw him, I just wanted to just say hey and just kind of get like, introduced and tell him I was such a big fan and just kind of fanboying him. So <laughs> the first time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to pick his brain one day. I mean, obviously, we play against each other's stuff and, you know, can't reveal all the secrets. So <laughs> maybe one day. It was a great night for you, obviously, offensively. But you know what this ballpark can be like from a catcher's perspective, catching Kirby and the entire staff in a game like that where there's one run on the board through nine. Like on that side of things, from that perspective, how happy were you with that part too? Yeah, we were really happy. I mean, this team, they can hit. Yeah, They've, uh, you know, one through nine, they got some really good hitters. They have good approaches, and they're tough outs. You know, they don't they don't strike out a lot. They don't uh, give you easy outs. So Kirby did a great job. Again, I know I feel like it's repetitive, but he's pitching great, and um, it's, it's awesome to see, you know, what he's doing out there, you know, mixing the heaters, locating really well, and just competing, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to be back there catching them. Cal, take your catcher hat off for a second. And as a hitter, if you were facing the Mariners right now in a series, let's say it's a four-game series or even a couple times a year, how what would you think when you, okay, the Mariners are coming into town, here's what they're throwing at us? I, I wouldn't want to face us. I mean, like I said, we, we compete in, in the zone. We have some really nasty stuff. We have some unique looks. And, uh, you know, I feel like we got we got different guys that can do different things really well and get different kind of hitters out. And uh, I think that's really important to, in today's game, especially with all the matchups and uh, lefties, righties, uh, you know, rag guys, sink guys. And uh, it's really important. And I think we do a good job of kind of covering all of that. Do you do the Boston accent? Do I do the, the Fenway pack, yeah. pack over the monster? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's what it's all about all I got. What did Grandma have to say to you last night? Oh, she was beside herself. So she was she was super happy for me. She kept saying a little prayer for me. I guess she, she was she was very happy. And uh, she, like I said, obviously a big Red Sox fan. She was a Mariners fan last night, though. So we... Um, it was cool. She had to come down the field, got to take pictures, and um, got to see all the family, cousins, and all that good stuff, and it was pretty fun. It's been pretty amazing to watch, like, Kirby and one starter handed off to the next starter. It's been a ridiculous run overall. What is it like catching this rotation? It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's uh, – uh, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's it's a lot of fun getting to catch these guys. And I think the best thing about these guys is they got short memory and they love to compete. So, you know, they don't let one start, you know, linger into the next. And I think we do a good job as a staff of kind of being on top of that stuff and making sure that, you know, guys are doing what they need to do. And these guys are they're a pleasure to catch. I mean, you know, George, Logan, uh, Castillo. You know, even Bryce Miller now coming in the rotation, he's been super, super awesome. I mean, to do what he's done is, uh, I don't think there's anybody 
three people or yeah <laughs> i've seen the stats and they're crazy <laughs> it's awesome i mean it's it, it, i'm happy for him and for him to keep going and i'm excited to see what he can do okay most important question yes that's we're asking the same thing i don't we? i don't know I, know we are. I doubt we are uh how long before the game when is it decided no. socks up <laughs> show socks pants down like how, wh- when when is this decision made going into a game it's just kind of a game time decision. Okay. Usually, it's not me making the decision. I usually ask somebody else. So it started with me asking the pitcher, and then the pitcher would decide whether I wore my pants up or down, <laughs> or if they wore their pants up, I would wear mine up, or if they wore them down, I wear them down. And then I would go off my cleats too. So like, if the pitcher's wearing white cleats, I gotta wear white cleats. And but now it's kind of lingered in. And uh, Ty actually told me to go pants down yesterday. So. I'll be, probably be going past that. Again. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good that's, idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. Good but whatever makes the pitcher the most comfortable. Yeah, that's I love right. that. That's taking it to an extreme. We don't want to keep you too much longer. You're in huge demand right now, but I cannot let you go without. The question I was going to ask that I know you're going to be curious in the answer. Please, please run down the Bryce Miller arsenal in all 47 oh, sliders he yes. has for us. <laughs> I don't know. He's got like different nicknames for him and everything. He's uh, he's a funny character. Uh, he's got he's got obviously he's got the fastball. He's got the cutter, which is the tighter, uh, more downer. You kind of see the one that guys goes straight down, tighter, a little harder. Uh, you probably see that in the upper 80s. And then you got the um, the curveball, which might read on the on the board a slider, which is kind of looks more a little slurvy. If to you guys, it'll be a little slower. Like I'm guessing low 80s is what it is mm-hmm. but it'll read slider and then he's got another one he's been working on we haven't thrown it a whole lot but it's more of like a i guess the the sweeper or i don't even know what technically it's the slider so and that's the one that kind of goes just straight across it doesn't have a whole lot of depth it doesn't go down a lot so it just goes straight sideways um but main, main one is the is the cutter and the curveball so and he's got the change up so <laughs> Yeah, quite quite the arsenal. And what does that fastball look like from your advantage? Uh, it's, it's very lifey, and um, when I say that, it just means it's got a lot a lot of carry on. It spins really well, and you know you think it's going to be it's going it's going to end up in dirt and it ends up at the bottom of the zone, or it looks like it's going to be in the middle and it ends up at the top. And it's really deceptive, and you know it's it's one of those where it's so true, so straight that it almost like knuckles. So it's it's crazy how it, how it comes in there and, and looks. Awesome. Lifey is my new favorite term. Lifey is. Lifey. And I'm going to leave you with a request. Fastball. One day, can we put in a request if you're doing high or low socks? Of course. Okay. Yes. Not today, though. Not today. No. no. We're, we're not we don't messing mess with, with anything. Yeah. But if you're ever yeah. unsure about anything, we're here for that. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to keep you guys in the loop. <laughs> Cal, thank Thanks, you. Cal. Thank you. Well, thanks to Cal for trying to clear up Bryce Miller's arsenal for us. We appreciate it. That was brought to you by Jack's Grill, three locations in Issaquah, West Seattle, and Laurelhurst, known for the greatest steaks in your neighborhood for a great dining experience with a friendly family atmosphere at a friendly price. Make plans to stop by Jack's Grill. We come back, one of our favorite segments, Tell Me a Story Comes Your Way. We're in Atlanta, and we're going to get a story from longtime broadcaster for Atlanta, Skip Carey. And that comes your way right after this. You're listening to Trident Talk on the Seattle Mariners Radio Network. It is Trident Talk. Welcome back to Atlanta. The Mariners will wrap up the series against Atlanta, return home, take on the A's for the first of four starting tomorrow. In the meantime, we have Tell Me a Story, and this is a good one. Skip Carey, the longtime broadcaster for Atlanta, over 30 years broadcaster for Atlanta, the son, of course, of Harry Carey. 
And many of you may remember Skip Carey. Of course, the Braves games were on TBS, and he was not only familiar to the Braves audience here in Atlanta, but nationwide on TBS. In 2008, the Mariners were here, and Dave Sims had a chance to catch up with the great broadcaster. And tragically, it was just a little over a month after the Mariners were here. Skip Carey, of course, had some health problems at the time. He would end up passing away a month after the Mariners were visiting. But uh, as Dave sat down with Skip, he shared some of his great broadcast stories. I think I'm like most kids. Uh, you just assumed you were going to be a major league ball player. My dad was an announcer, and we used to have Stan Musial and Red Shane East and Enos Slaughter and all those great Cardinal players over to the house, and they were just contemporaries of my dad, like working at the steel mill. And so I just figured what they did looked pretty neat, so I would just do it. Well, I was a pitcher. I was 0-2 my senior year in high school, and I suddenly got the message, I better figure out something else to do. So I went to the University of Missouri where they have a fine journalism school and then got into sports broadcasting, got a break, started doing the Tulsa Oiler games way back in 1963. They needed an announcer, AAA in Atlanta, so they moved me up that year uh, for the second half of the season. I was here in 64, 65, missed out on the big league job, mm-hmm. went back to Atlanta, did football and basketball and uh, rather went back to St. Louis, and then when Ted Turner took over, I was doing his basketball by then, and he just switched me onto the baseball too, and so I really didn't have much choice in the matter. It all just sort of happened, and and that happens what, what, the way it goes for a lot of guys. Uh, biggest moment for you? What, what would you say it is in your career? I guess the the biggest broadcast moment was uh, Sid Bream sliding home with that uh, game against the Pirates, where I went Braves win, Braves win, a hundred and. 92 times or however many times I said it. A lot of room in right center. If he hits one there, we can dance in the streets. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the throw to the plate. He is safe. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. In 95, Marquise Grissom catching the fly ball off Kenny Lofton's bat with Mark Wohler's pitching that gave us our only world championship in this incredible string of division titles. Only one world's title, so that means a lot, too. 51,000 plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swan, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. A mob scene on the field. Rollers get them one, two, three. A couple of fans rushing on the field, and the constables restrain them. The Atlanta Braves have brought the first championship to Atlanta. There was Tell Me a Story with Dave Sims and the late Skip Carey. Can you picture Sid Bream rumbling around third base to score? They go ahead and run. When we come back, our homecoming theme continues. Taylor Trammell back at home. Grew up just... 
15 minutes from this ballpark here in Atlanta. We'll catch up with Taylor talking about him growing up here. Also, what's happening for him right now in a Mariners uniform. A lot going on as we sit down with the Mariners DH and outfielder. We'll do that and we come back right after this. You're listening to Trident Talk on the Seattle Mariners Radio Network. The better ready. And the right-handers 0-1 pitch to Trammell. Swing and a well-hit ball. Deep down the right field line. Stay fair. It is fair. It's gone. Goodbye baseball. A two-run home run by Taylor Trammell has tied the game at four. Yes, Taylor Trammell is back and contributing for the Mariners, and he is returning home growing up just minutes from this ballpark here in Atlanta. He is thrilled to be back. Shannon Dreher and I had a chance to catch up with the Mariners outfielder, D.H., and, of course, we had to start the conversation with how excited are you to be back in Atlanta? Oh, I'm extremely excited. Um, This is the first time. I think it's something that you kind of dream of as a kid. Uh, playing in your hometown or, you know, kind of things like that. That's that's kind of like the cool part, having your family being able to come over, see play, and then uh, your family, friends, uh, teachers, you know, coaches, whoever it may be, you know, them being able to come and see you play. I think that's one of the coolest things just to see the people who brought you up and uh, helped you able to get to the position that you're in right now. Who are you a fan of growing up? So for me, I I used to like Rafael for call a lot. Uh, he was you know up the middle, uh, shortstop. So uh, I, when I played the video games and all that stuff, I always wanted the fastest <laughs> runners, and he was always the fastest runner. Um, uh, he was, and then um, I'm trying to think when, when Jay Hay came up uh, and the Upton brothers came up. Um, those were the guys I kind of looked at a lot. Um, those were like the guys I really enjoyed watching play growing up. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What got you into the game originally? Wow. Uh, probably when I was younger. Uh, we would go out um, outside in our backyard, and then sometimes um, we would go to my aunt's house, and my, you know, me and my brother, we would just throw to each other, and, uh, you know, we'd play, you know, we called it hit. So we would just pretty much throw each other and hit. Um, I was kind of the... I was kind of the jerk for the most part, so like my brother would my brother would throw to me, and then I never wanted to throw to him or anything like that. So I like go inside and I always get in trouble and stuff like that. So, you know, he was always better than me. So that was kind of like the the funny part about that. So that's kind of like what really got me into the game, and then uh, I started playing t ball from there, and you know, kind of escalated from there. At what point growing up did you think this could happen? That Major League Baseball was a possibility for you? My junior year of high school my junior year of high school that's when i was kind of like yeah i could i could really do this um it always i think my freshman and sophomore year it seemed so far away Mm -hmm. where i was just kind of like you know this is something i want to work towards go to college you know and try to see where i go from there and then honestly football was kind of like my first option Mm -hmm. and um i always loved baseball i love playing baseball so my junior year i kind of like took off a little bit um my freshman sophomore year were good but I kind of started to take off a little bit more my junior year and then going into the uh kind of like the showcases and all that other stuff I was like I could kind of do this mm-hmm. and then my senior year I just was like yeah I don't want to go to college anymore <laughs> <laughs> I was like I love this game way too much <laughs> you did some big things in football in high school too though was there any kind of pressure that you might want to go in that direction 
my senior year not at all none uh i think i I had a great senior year of football and it ended up being um you know kind of some college coaches sec coaches acc coaches were uh looking for looking for me and everything like that i said hey look guys like i'm not looking to go anywhere else but georgia tech for baseball and football that was my only thing and then like it kind of got to the point where i just was like you know if a college coach came over i just wanted to like meet him obviously Mm -hmm. and just say hey thank you for coming but I'm not, you know, I'm not, <laughs> there's nothing you really can do to change this for me. Um, so that was kind of like, uh, that's my football role, but yeah. Did Chipper Jones scout you at some point? Yes, he did. Um, I think it was, I, I, it was my senior year. Um, it was, it was actually pretty cool. Um, I, I was playing and, uh, I was hitting BP. I think it was like one of the first games or something like that. And, um, I, I didn't know until somebody told me afterwards, and you know, people obviously kind of like, kind of got wind that he was there. But he saw everything he needed. Uh, I think there was another guy on another team um, that he was scouting as well. So I thought that was really cool. You get to, you know, see Chipper. Obviously, he's a you know staple in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. Did you get a chance to talk to him? Yeah, I did. He's he's an amazing guy. I, I really enjoyed uh, being able to meet him. Uh, we had some um, there were some charity events in Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, a few off seasons ago. Uh, where I was able to meet him, uh, Freddie at the time, uh, Freddie Freeman at the time, mm-hmm. and then uh, Brian McCann and a few other guys that kind of like were in Atlanta, and those were guys I looked up to especially. So I thought that was uh, that was that was one of the cooler moments uh, in my life. So you get drafted, mm-hmm. and then what? I mean, you uh, you're very young. You you leave home at that point. How did life change? How did baseball change once you were in organized ball? It was it was. I thought I adjusted pretty well. Um, it was, you know, I get the call. They say, "Hey, uh, I get a call from my agent." I found out I was drafted. Well, I found out earlier that I was going to be drafted. Um, some scouts were like, some scouts had texted me and stuff like that before I even was picked, and I was like, "No chance! I'm about to go to Cincinnati." <laughs> uh, and I was like, "This is so cool!" Um, and sure enough, I hear my name called. Like, this is so awesome. Ended up. Uh, getting a call from my agent and they're like hey you know they're gonna want you to uh head to arizona for a few days sign your contract and then you're gonna go to billings montana for the year i said i have no idea where billings montana <laughs> is <laughs> zero idea uh but it was it was a it was a pretty easy adjustment um going to billings and then uh i had a i had a host dad uh host dad there he was awesome mike mayot he was he was amazing um took really good care of me and uh, my roommate Jans- john sansone so it was great. I enjoyed it. I felt like I adjusted pretty pretty well. And then uh, the next year, uh, that's when I, uh, you know, all those guys, I kind of like grew up with the system and everything like that, ended up becoming really good friends. And uh, some of them were in my wedding, and, you know, it just started to take off from there. So I felt like I adjusted pretty well. Speaking of adjustments, looking back on your journey now that you're here, how difficult was it being traded a couple times, getting used to a couple of organizations along the way? How much of an adjustment was that for you? It was a huge adjustment because um, when you get, I mean, obviously, um, you're so, I felt like for myself at least, um, you kind of get drafted by a team that's mm-hmm. like, everybody's kind of thought process, I'm about to be with these guys for the next 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that was yeah. the immediate reaction. Uh, and then... Um, you know, I was there. I was there in the system for three years, and uh, I grew a lot of good relationships. Um, some of my best friends, some like I said, some guys that were even in my wedding. I was able to 
grow with those guys and learn the game of baseball a little bit more with those guys and uh, build a friendship and a brother brotherhood with those guys. So uh, when I got traded the first time, it was it was it was tough. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it was it was really tough, especially um just kind of like where i was i was kind of close to home as well i was in chattanooga which is about an hour and 30 minutes away from uh atlanta mm-hmm. uh but it was it was it was it was tough um I, I can say that now um i think that now looking back there are some things i probably could have done a little bit different with my mindset but i'm happy with where i'm at right now and you know being with seattle i think this is a really really good fit for me mm-hmm. how did you get to the mindset that you have now a lot, well, a lot of therapy, <laughs> a lot of therapy. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of therapy. Uh, I think, um, you know, that's one thing we've, uh, you know, our, our organization, uh, they don't take lightly um, is our mental health. And so uh, being a, for me, being able to get with, you know, my therapist and uh, my mental skills coaches and uh, whatever that may be. And just working with those uh, with those guys, uh, I've seen a lot of lot of improvements. Uh, just with dealing with a lot of things, um, mindset wise, uh, things off the field, uh, things on the field, whether it be dealing with fans or whatever it may be, being able to adjust to those things, uh, you know, just as you know, kind of like as fast as possible, uh, without kind of dwelling on it too much and overthinking a lot of things, and and pretty much just going and. Uh, kind of like just handling things on the horn for the most part. Yeah, it's the one tool that we don't talk about. I mean, yeah. it should be a six-tool player yes. really, when you think about it. There's exactly. a lot of work on that, or can be a lot of work on that side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And I, I think um, I, th- I see the guys, um, and I can also even say, yeah, I, you know, I talked about a therapist and you know my uh, mental skills coach, whatever it may be. The guys on the team, um, I think they play a huge role in especially kind of like what we go through. Um, I can say personally with the guys in our clubhouse, I love. I, I can genuinely say I love every single one of those guys, um, you know, in there. Because uh, every day I want to pour into those guys, and I know that I go to the field, it's going to be like they see me if I'm probably not, you know, feeling if probably down or whatever maybe or anything like that. I might not say anything to anybody, whether it be something off the field. I come to the field, and I know I'm going to be degraded with, you know, a, a dap or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's – that's what gets guys through the seasons. Um, I hear, I used to hear guys a lot of times uh, being able to say that, talking to Joey Votto and a few of those guys, just hearing those guys talk about that. And now I'm starting to see, like, yeah, those guys in the clubhouse, they mean a lot, you know, especially mm-hmm. for the 162 in the playoffs, um, playoff extension. So that's, that's what I really enjoy the most about kind of like coming to the field every day. One of the things that I love that uh, you talked about uh, right after you were called up, Scott likes you. You bring a, a different edge to this game. Yeah. And <laughs> you said that comes from your football, and I never thought about that. But what little part of your football mentality do you bring into into a competition? Oh, man. It's just like think about kind of like Marshawn Lynch a little bit sometimes oh. when he, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of some of the things he says, you know, kind of like, you know, I got to abbreviate some things but it's like you know run through a you know a guy you know run through somebody you won't have to worry about it anymore um it's a little bit different uh here but it's like for me it's like i'm out in the outfield it's like all right you know i'm thinking kind of like run through somebody but i'm like make a play right here you know um get a guy in score position it's like hey move him over like do your job right here like there's no type of fear there's no fear or anything um and like i said earlier Looking, uh, looking to those guys, you know, even on the, you know, field, you know, taking them, t- guys taking walks, you know, guys being able to uh, have big hits. Looking at Teo the other day, and um, 
seeing him, you know, battling, you know, to get, you know, his triple and stuff like that. That, for me, going up to the place, like, Teo just put his body on line. He just grinded that at bat. I'm going to come out here and do my job and, you know, grind that at bat here. There's no fear at all. So, you know, looking at those guys, um, you know, one through nine, it's like, man, we have a whole bunch of dogs. And that kind of mentality, you know, helps me out as well. So it's just that no fear mentality. It's been great to see you back. The injury was so unfortunate. How are you feeling now getting into the groove? It's good. I'm, 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 I think for me right now, I'm, I'm very, very extremely happy that I'm in the position I'm in right now. Um, just kind of like continuously working each and every day. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, taking the, you know, taking the punches as they come. You know, it's going to come here and there. Uh, but for me, I'm so excited that, like I said, I come to the field every single day with a smile. And I'm like, I want to be around these guys. And I've heard horror stories from some other guys and uh, some different organizations. But for me, and I know for the guys in there, like we come to the field every day with, you know, a smile on our face because we know that we're about to go into battle with, you know, all all 26 of our guys. And everybody knows kind of like the same mentality. We have the same mentality. Mm -hmm. So. Like I said, right now I'm I'm very happy. I I, I look at the past as kind of like some like more motivation than anything. Then, um, so for me that's that's the biggest thing. I'm I'm very very excited and uh, very grateful. So for people that don't know, how far is home from the ballpark in Atlanta? Wow, I'm 15 minutes away. Wow, yeah, I'm about 15 minutes away from the ballpark. So how many? Family and friends are we talking about here? What who are we gonna see? So we got I think. Uh, I think the first day is going to be around 30, well, 29, 30 some people first night. And that's excluding like the teachers, friends, family and stuff like that. That's that's like the reserved ones. And then the next day, I think it's like 49 <laughs> for Saturday. <laughs> and then like the next day, is, I think it's going to be like 40 or something nice. like that. And I mean, I've just had kind of like my friends, classmates kind of hit me up. They're like, hey, I'm going to be at the game Saturday, going to be at the game Sunday, whatever it may be. And I'm just like, I hope I get to see hey, so hey. <laughs> uh That's my biggest thing. But I tell people all the time, I was like, I just want to see my dog. <laughs> you know, that's, a, nice. that's really all I want to see. I want to see my dog and I want to see my parents and my, uh, my brother and obviously my family and everything like that. But my dog, my parents, and my brother, I really want to see those guys. Tell us about your dog. Sheepadoodle, Remington, Remington, Saka, Trammell. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's phenomenal. That's a mouthful. Yeah. So. Wait, a sheepadoodle? Yes. He's a a sheep sheepdog doodle? Yep, old English sheepdog with a poodle. Remington. I got some pictures nice. of this. Remington, he's the best. I wish I had my phone out with me, but he's uh, he's like a mixed salt and peppery kind of guy. He's got like weird fur. He was like black, like jet black when we got him. So we were like, oh, this is going to be cool. He's going to be jet black. <laughs> and then he just started to like. Uh, like transition and stuff like that. And I'm just like, dude, why are you like changing colors and stuff like that? Like, come on, dude. So, um, I love it. His fur is, uh, he doesn't shed or anything like that, which makes it a lot easier. Um, he sounds like he could be bouncy too, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's, uh, he's like, he has this like clumsiness to him. It's the funniest thing because he's a herding dog. Right. So, uh, whenever I, we go out and play with him when he was like younger, probably about, I'll say about four months, he'll be running around and he'd just collapse and just fall <laughs> over. It was the funniest thing ever. He's kind of getting his legs under him and everything like that, but. He's still a little bit uncoordinated, but we're still working on that, getting some training and stuff like that for him. So he should be good. Mm -hmm. You put in all the off-season work and some of it at driveline this winter. Now that you're in games, what is the most valuable thing that, that you have taken from that work? Oh, uh, you know, just uh, kind of like just letting it go. 
um, you know, the, the the off season, the work, the rehab, whatever it is. It's like, okay, I worked all this time to like, you know, do all this stuff. You know, being in the games and everything like that. And now I feel that it's it's like, hey, just let it do what it do. Yeah, you know, I hear mm-hmm. you know Cammy talk about it. He's like, um, this, you know, whether it be a mechanical issue or anything like that. It's like, hey, um, you know, even talking to Cammy yesterday, he's like, hey, look, like, you know, the day before or whatever it was, he's like, hey, you know probably didn't feel your best like but you know beast you know guys when you're not feeling the best still got to get it like do it and i'm like man i got you like i'm gonna do it and so um just having that kind of like mindset of like all right it might not feel good swing might not feel the best right now but just being able to say like hey forget it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna get the job done somehow um that's kind of like how like mindset wise i am now it's just like hey get the job done guys in scoring position or you know God, now nobody on base get on base, whatever it may be, anything like that. It's just like, just let it free, let it go, and don't worry about it, and don't overthink anything. Mm. You set the foundation, and now just very good. Yep, yep. So just letting it, let it flow, let it do what it do, and don't <laughs> even, don't even worry about the outcome or anything like that because it's like, we play a tough game. So you know, if you get caught up in, hey man, I just did X Y Z, it's like, dang it, I'm so mad at myself. It's like, we got four or five X amount of innings to go. It's like, we just got to do, do your job. That's all. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Thanks so much for the time. We oh, really appreciate it. We kept you forever, but that oh, was cool. really great. Thank Absolutely. you. That was great. I love it. Um, I appreciate you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.